0: That's slash 15 to donate and enter to win today and make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by BentoBox, a hospitality platform that empowers restaurants through their own website. With Bento Box, you get every restaurant website feature you need and more, all in one place. Opening soon listeners get 50% off their new website setup fee at getbento.com slash opening soon. That's G-E-T-B-E-N-T-O.com slash opening soon. Welcome to Processing, a show about the intersection between food and grief. With your hosts Sarah Jingora
2: and Bobby Comforto.
1: On this show, we're going to really explore where grief and food intersect, how they go hand in hand, different people's experiences with their specific traumas
2: and how food played a part from the beginning to the end of that experience. And how as individuals, we uniquely process life's traumas and losses through either the longing for, the creating of, the avoiding of, the obsessing over, and the eating of food. I remember right after Michael died, I still miss him, but I missed him so badly that night that I stopped at the convenience store on the corner and I bought a container of Ben & Jerry's Cherry Garcia. It's too
3: sweet, you know, it's too everything. And I went home
2: with it and I took it to bed and I thought to myself, gee, so this is my first menage a trois after Michael's death, (laughs) me... Ben
3: and Sherry, <laughs> and I ate the entire thing.
2: What do you think your relationship to food was during times of crisis? I think that um,
1: my sister and I use food to reward ourselves. I wish I had something more no. interesting to say, but definitely like spaghetti and meatballs and chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> my mom still can't eat Rugula, It makes her too sad. I've also experienced a lot of loss, as has Bobby. And I think we really wanted to find a way where we could like work together. There's something that feels very compelling about doing a project with you, mom, um, as just kind of a missing piece in life and just something we've always wanted to do but not known quite how. I can't think
2: of anything better myself. I think that, I mean, any conversation about grief, I think, prepares everyone for grief because there are so few conversations
3: about grief. It's why I think that what you guys are doing (laughs) is so important.
2: Hi, and welcome to Opening Soon on Heritage Radio Network. I am Alex McCreary.
1: And I am your host, Jenny Goodman.
2: And we are working on some exciting new things for Season 3. We're in the midst of mixing up the format a little bit. And as you've listened to us in the past, you've heard that each episode we chat with a restaurateur chef uh, basically an expert in the field that has gone through opening a restaurant and they sort of give their feedback uh, along with a lot of questions from us on a specific part of the opening uh, process that they went through in the past we'll take that to a different place in season three to where we're actually working with people that are in the process knee-deep in the weeds of opening a restaurant and explore one piece of the puzzle. So our entire season will be a a new format where we do a before and after. So we'll meet with a restaurateur uh, to catch up on one piece of the puzzle that's going on. And we'll take a little break. We'll come back and catch them live uh, on air Tuesdays at 2 p.m. on Heritage Radio Network, of course. And see where they're at, see how it went, and see what they might have done differently or the same next time.
1: But while we're lining up all this great content, we're gonna start off season three with just one more episode that we recorded with Steve Palmer just before the holidays of the Indigo Road Restaurant Group. And it was all about wellness and sobriety. Um, Steve has been in recovery for almost two decades now. And given that it's January and a lot of people take this month off to dry out and reflect, and sobriety in the industry is always really super important, we thought it would be a great time for you to listen to and be inspired by all the great things that Steve does, Can't wait to share this episode with you and share with you the new format of season three, kicking off January 28th at 2 p.m. So today, the hospitality industry is historically and notoriously known for its late nights, its hard partying, and the drug and booze-filled nights have even famously been chronicled by chefs like Anthony Bourdain and his memoir, Kitchen Confidential. But over the past several years, there seems to have been a cultural shift for the better um, happening in this industry, and many chefs and restaurateurs are speaking out about and even championing their sobriety. So in fact, some food festivals and consumer-facing events are getting away from making it booze-soaked and having zero-proof dinners, and those are even consumer-facing too, so people are really getting into alcohol-free events. Our guest today knows a thing or two both about sobriety and about restaurants and restaurant culture. Steve Palmer is the managing partner of the Indigo Road Restaurant Group. They have over 20 plus restaurants yes. and counting, Steve.
3: Yes. Yes, you're really like, yes, I'm tired.
1: Um, they have over 900 employees yeah. in the American South. And um, Steve has been sober for 17 18. 18.
3: I just celebrated 18 years. Tough. I know. That
1: is a. Big miles, crazy. crazy. Um, so Steve also has a nonprofit called Ben's Friends that we will chat about, and he has a new book out called "Say Grace." So I'm super excited to have you here today, Steve. Thank you. Yeah. So let's talk about how it's changed in restaurant culture. And
3: yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, I think, I, and I, I get asked a lot, like, why now? Yeah. Um, and I think that there's been. A couple of confluence of things. Obviously, a lot of chefs felt connected to Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. I have friends that, you know, had personal relationships, and he was really, I think, a a lot of chefs' voice, Mm -hmm. or he spoke chef. He definitely spoke chef. He spoke (laughs) chef in a way that I don't think had ever been captured before. And so to see, you know, to, to watch sort of, the way his shows were in the, in the beginning years, all about excess, all about being in foreign countries and imbibing, um, to see all of that. But then to, you know, he was very open about his struggles with depression. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that coupled with the opioid crisis, yeah. um, You know, we've had in Charleston five chefs under the age of 35 overdose and die.
1: No, really? Yeah.
3: And it's been... so sad. It is. And it's very um, sort of quiet. Yeah. It's not...
1: I don't think I've heard that. Yeah.
3: There's there's a lot of... um, Yeah. There's just a lot of shame and a lot of, uh, you know, around it. So I think that's really what has caused all of us to sort of like, hey, maybe we shouldn't be glorifying this as Mm -hmm. much because these are real people that are having real problems. Yeah. Um, you know, I got sober in 01. I was running a restaurant in Charleston, and the the owner, uh, I came to work one day, and he said, you have a choice. You can clean out your office or you can go to rehab.
1: Oh, so it was the owner uh, had an intervention yeah. with Total you. Total
3: intervention. Wow. Wow. Um, Every fiber in my being did, wanted to tell him what he could do with his yeah, intervention. You can, you can
1: curse here. <laughs> okay, cool.
3: Um, so you know, and and I and like that was we, we talk about you know inflection points in our right. own life. Like that was a moment that I think about all the time. Had I told him what I wanted to tell him, yeah, and left, yeah. Um, I, I'm. Absolutely convinced I'd be dead.
1: So why did you? Why did you stay? Why did you stay and get sober? Were, did you love what you were doing, or?
3: Yeah, I mean, I loved the business. I wasn't sure at that point. I didn't know anybody who was sober in the business. Yeah, I mean. So I was like sitting in rehab, going, I, I don't know how this is going to work. Right. But I was, t- I was emotionally sick and tired. Right. I was, I knew, you know, I was thirty-two, couple of DUIs. I mean, I was the seven night a week party and restaurant. I was the poster child for it all. Work 100 hours a week, party the other 100, sleep four hours a day, rinse and repeat.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's how I remember it, too. You know, when my Alex and I met working at Commander's Palace and when, you know, when we were there, this chef de cuisine had died in a DUI and it's like that was 15 years ago and that everybody was doing that. It's like after work, you went to the bar and you partied at the bar until six o'clock in the morning and then you saw everybody again at, you know, noon, three, whatever time your shift started. That's right. Yeah. So... How, so you got sober and then you went back to work in the hospitality industry at the same restaurant?
3: I did. I like literally got out of rehab and went and it was Saturday night and I'm managing the floor and I'm having a complete panic attack. Um, I don't believe in accidents. So yep. I thought, okay, I don't think I just went to rehab so I could start drinking, drinking again. Drinking again, right. And a server, it's so funny, a server ran up and handed me a bottle of wine and said, can you go up in this bottle on table 12? been asked that 5,000 times. Yep. And I froze, and I handed the bottle to the assistant manager. I ran out of the restaurant. We had a little rooftop bar, uh, and we were in a hotel. And I went up, and I just was like, I can't can't do this. And the word surrender, let go. Like, in other words, like, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Just breathe, Mm -hmm. and this is all going to be okay. Uh, And I had this, like, sense of relief, and I came back down. And, you know, it was um, the first couple years... Was fairly lonely, and I, I just sure. mean like all of my my tribe in the restaurant, but they didn't know what to say because right. 18 years ago we were not having this conversation no, at nobody all. Nobody was
1: talking about it at
3: all, so it was sort of like this. Ugh, what hi, Like, Oh, the sober <laughs> guys <laughs> the here. Same, right. <laughs> I would show up, and everybody would be like um, Awkward. awkward. Is it like? is my drinking making you uncomfortable? Yeah. I'm like, well, it is now. <laughs> yeah. If like, you hadn't said anything, yeah, I would be fine. Right. Um, and and so it's been, I've been so grateful um, to watch our industry. And I, and I say this all the time. We spend every night taking care of our guests. Mm-hmm. We're just now figuring out how to take care of ourselves and take care of each other. Because I... I don't believe the two things I feel very strongly about the restaurant industry does not make you a drug addict or an alcoholic.
1: That's true.
3: I already had all of that DNA before Mm -hmm. I found the business. Yes, it is a playground that supports. Right. um, But I feel strongly that, uh, that you can work in this business and be a healthy whole individual that, that the two are not in it. linked for life. Um, And so it's, I, I love that we're, and, and what it's funny, even as a consumer, so I was in a restaurant in Manhattan last night, and I love that in the moment that I say, I'm a non-drinker, can I have this? And especially in the last five years, it's gone from like uh, to, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, we have this, we have that, we, we have a non-alcoholic drink list, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's as that person... Um, It's just nice. It's like, okay, I'm one of the tribe.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely have seen a proliferation of non alcoholic beverage lists right. on Russia. Do you guys have a list on your menu? Every single every restaurant every single we, restaurant. yeah. Has that been? Have you done that for a while, or is it more? We recently? have probably
3: the last five years. The last five. The years. last three specifically, mm-hmm. Um, and and it's crazy. And I tell other tours like, listen. You can charge me whatever. Like I'm, yes. I just want something interesting to drink. Yes, I don't want a diet coke. So right. j- you, you charge me nine dollars, ten dollars. Like I don't, I'm not looking at that. I'd give me something interesting. Right. Um,
1: My Alex doesn't drink either, and it's the same thing. It's like when we go to restaurants. He's like, I will pay twelve dollars for a yeah. non-alcoholic <laughs> beverage. <laughs> right, like right. just makes yeah, make something cool. I mean, I think it's a great place to pick up extra money for the absolutely. Businesses.
3: I was at Gramercy Tavern two nights ago. Uh, they have a ginger swizzle, Ooh, uh, and I had four of them. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> you know, at fourteen dollars yeah. a, you know, yeah, it adds up. <laughs> oh yeah, it's so true. Yeah. But it's been it's been great, and um, you know, we we had a chef about three years ago named Ben Murray, who um, Ben and I had known each other for years. We had done a lot of drugs together. Mm-hmm. We had done all the things. We had lost touch, and he, uh, a mutual friend, said, "Hey, Ben." Has cleaned up his act. Okay. If you need kitchen help to, like, open a restaurant for 90 days. Okay. So we were in a remote city. I text Ben. He showed up. The there, There's no, you would never meet Ben Murray and say depressed. Ever. Life of the party. Dean Martin kind of always had a joke. Um, he worked for six weeks. It was an opening, you know, mm-hmm. 6 a.m. to midnight.
1: Fast and furious. I
3: never saw him take a drink. Mm-hmm. And I guess he was going back to his hotel room and drinking, and uh, he stopped showing up, and and he committed suicide in the in oh my the God, hotel room. NHLs. Yeah, oh my and God. you know, and I'll tell you what was really the sad. So I call his mom, never met her, having to make that call, and um, she starts saying to me, "Well, he's been in detox six times. I had no what we had no idea he was struggling." on opening night, there were three sober chefs in the kitchen with Ben that would have dropped everything if he would have just said, I can't seem to get this, mm-hmm. how are you? And and that was, I was so struck by like, why didn't he just say something? We would have done anything to help him. And um, that was, and so I really was like, you know, I wanna honor his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started Ben's Friends, which is a weekly support group. And and here's the sort of beautiful, I don't know how you would say it. When we started it, we just thought it'd be a Charleston thing. And it's once a week. We certainly don't think once a week is going to get anybody sober. But it's a landing pad for people in the business that are like, I need help. What do I do?
1: That's amazing.
3: Um, about nine months later is when Anthony Bourdain oh. killed himself. And I don't know Anthony at all. Uh, but but, it was literally like overnight. Uh, the Wall Street Journal started calling New York Times mm-hmm. like, "Hey, what is this thing you're doing?" And what would happen is, and, and it's still happening. Uh, people would an article would get written. Julia Bambridge wrote an article in in Bon Appetit, and it was about the zero proof dinner that Gabe Rucker did in Portland. Yeah. Gabe is now one of our chairs awesome. in Portland. Gabe yep. is strong. And so what happens is people read about it and then they email and they say, hey, I'm two years sober. Can
1: I get involved? I want to
3: start. So awesome. we're, in, we're now in 11 cities. That's amazing. Four more are coming online. Um, Can you
1: shout out the cities that you're Yeah,
3: sure. So we're in Seattle, um, San Antonio, Texas, uh, Portland, Oregon, Richmond, Virginia, Washington, D.C., Charlotte, Raleigh, Atlanta, Charleston. What am I missing? Oh, Columbus, Ohio, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Cool. And it's just... This New a, York
1: City, we need to get on board. I
3: know. And, and, and so here's what happens, and I, I don't mean this cynically. So somebody, so I said, somebody they read articles and we get an email. So we'll get 50 emails. Wow. And we'll say we need two people with two or more years of sobriety and a place. Mm-hmm. And those 50 emails go down to about four. Right. And so, and it's hard, you know, when somebody, it's hard to, we never want to shame someone, you should be doing this. Right. So we, there's been several chefs in New York that we've talked to. We haven't gotten the commitments yet. Um, Very much want to be in New York. and.
1: He'll talk to us. Hit us up. Uh, yeah, up yeah. I will, I will.
3: I will. If you're listening, we'll
1: give Till at uh, HQ. We'll donate the space. Yeah,
3: I mean, it's it, We don't we need. Mu- it. We don't yep. need much. It's one hour a week. Yep. But what we're finding, and I think where, what's really beautiful, uh, is so, it, in the way that the restaurant business already is a subculture. Mm-hmm. Right. We work at nights, 100%. weekends, holidays. Yep. Um, people feel safe coming into a Ben's Friends meeting because they know it's their tribe. Right. More so than 12-step groups, right. which I'm a staunch member of and love. But but there's prejudice because of perceptions that are mostly not true. Yeah. But, but there's something about, like, these are my people.
1: There's always been a camaraderie in this industry that is unparalleled anywhere else that makes sense that you would right. get more support from a group like friends yeah I mean sure. it's
3: it's beautiful this girl and she knows we talk about her hi Katie um so Katie <laughs> just celebrated three years of sobriety
1: congrats Katie yeah I,
3: I know and so sh- her first day she walked into a Ben's, black circles dark energy head down and we got her connected with other strong females that are sober mm-hmm. You know, and I just, she walked in the other day and Mickey, uh, my co-founder and I, we just started crying because right. she's this bright light. And she said, you know, I knew what to do because I came to a Ben's friends meeting. And so I looked at him. I'm like, that's the mission. Right. We're not the solution. We're not saying come here instead of there. Right. Cause wherever you're going, it's an additional resource, it's an additional resource. Um, yeah, so it's. It has, um, it has, I mean, I have a day job. I have mm-hmm. a big restaurant company.
1: Just a, just a small a one. Small just a one. little guy.
3: <laughs> it has become just like my life's purpose.
1: It's amazing. So for restaurant tours and owners and operators and chefs who are in management roles, who maybe don't necessarily have access to Ben's friends, what can they do when they start rec- like, what are the signs that they can recognize and their employees and what can they do to help them get help?
3: Absolutely. um, you know we um, you know showing up late, emotional irritability, mm-hmm. inconsistency, mm-hmm. those types of telltale things um, and performance issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what I find, so nobody th- these are uncomfortable conversations, of right. And, and some of the time the person that you're worried about might have been the person you were having a drink with the week right. before. Yeah, but you went home and they stayed out all night, you know. Um, I always say have the conversation. It may not yield the result. So you've got you gotta have a motive that says, I'm gonna do this because it's the right thing, not necessarily because I'm trying to get a certain reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, have the conversation. They may not respond to it. But you may plant a seed that when the third person has the conversation, they go, "You know what?
1: I, I need Three to have, different yeah, people. I, I need to take. Problem.
3: I need to take a look at this." And 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 everybody's bottom is different, right? right. I mean, there are people that get sober that outwardly had no real consequences; yeah. they were just emotionally not where they wanted to be. You know, my shit was more like a train wreck. With <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, there were bodies, it was. I mean, I was completely blown out. Um, you know, I was a fucking mess. But there was no doubt right. that I was. A, but but you know, it, it's different for everybody. But it's true.
1: There are there are people who you know are more inwardly, and maybe it's not like you know. This you would b- never know. You would never know. Right. And that's so true.
3: I meet people who I I've known for years that suddenly I see him in a in a recovery group, and I'm like. What? And they said, you know, I drank at home. I drank yeah. in the closet. I didn't want anybody to see me. I had a pill problem and I just hit it really well.
0: Yeah, so, so addiction amazing. has
3: a lot of different faces. Right. You know, we, we, I mean, we think, we think, you know, Wino is the homeless guy with the brown bag yeah. and it's addiction. It does not care about socioeconomics that's whatsoever. Whatsoever.
1: Yeah. What what can tours you know, so that's how you identify, but what else can restaurateurs to cr- do to create a culture that says, you know, drinking isn't part of our DNA, mm-hmm. we're a professional establishment, what can, what can they, what seeds can they plant to show that?
3: So we, three years ago, I, I have always been really sensitive to just because I'm sober, yeah. I don't want to project that on our restaurants. You know, listen, we sell alcohol every night. Yeah. Alcohol is not bad. Alcohol was bad for me. Right. I have no, my wife drinks. She loves pink champagne. You know, <laughs> it's all good. Um, we went to no no shift drinks. So, so we kind of said, and I was very reluctant. So I kind of threw it out to the management and said, how do y'all feel if we just said, we're not going to do shift drinks. We're not going to take a shot at the bar. 100% said yes.
1: Yes. Yeah.
3: So I think it's subtle, but just by removing that time-honored, Yes. shift, drink, right. you know, you're sort of saying like, Hey, we're trying to be better, we're right? More professional. Yeah. And as you know, listen, we're, our industry is so short staffed. We need more people to work in our industry. We don't need people. And I think there are people that over the years that come and they're like, this is a shit show. I don't want to, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, I really, let's be real. Yeah, you know? I mean, like, uh, name anyways. another industry where people behave the way we behave. Yeah. So I think it's about cleaning up our environments I think when managers hold themselves to that. So now I'm not dealing with a manager who's had a drink when I'm upset about my schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, the chef isn't doing shots in the kitchen. That's right? And, um, you know, hopefully they're coming to work a little less hungover.
1: Yep. So you're performing uh, better.
3: I, I mean, yeah. it's funny. I, I, I was having dinner with someone last night who has a big restaurant group and they're sober and we didn't know each other and the more we started talking. And I said, it's amazing how productive you can be when you sober up an alcoholic because we get so up crazy. early.
1: Yeah, it's G- Gabe so Rucker,
3: crazy. you know, he's got this run She's club. Running like crazy. <laughs> yeah. He's amazing.
1: He's like Fit Chef Portland now. It's I know. I'll really yeah.
3: be like, how many? I, we ran fifty miles today. I'm crazy. like, oh my god, yeah. And uh, and and w- what a great group of guys. I mean, there's like thirty or forty people at Ben's friends every single week in Portland. Yeah. Gabe has been. He's just been amazing.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, it's great that there's those. Those resources right. out there. So, do you feel like these have you seen other restaurant groups go to like no shift drinks? Yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think we're cleaning ourselves up. And yeah. let's be honest, we needed to. And I, I don't, you know, uh, this could be a controversial statement, but the whole Me Too thing. Don't yeah. tell me that that addiction is doesn't touch. I was going to actually ask. I mean, come yeah. on.
1: I I, to, I actually think part of the reason that wellness and like sobriety has also been a part of this is has to do a little bit with the Me Too thing. I think the board, I think Bourdain and Me Too were big impetus for people. Absolutely. Like, it's time to get our shit together. We, uh, like
3: people, I mean, yeah. uh, when we think about the worst examples. <laughs> yep. How many? What percentage of those moments were was alcohol and drugs involved?
1: Oh, I be, yeah, it's all about uh, late night partying and you know. You people, and, yeah, and, yeah, of and
3: so, I just think it's about being professional. Yep. Um, it doesn't mean you have to be stiff. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, listen, we can
1: still have fun. We it's, can have yeah. fun.
3: Just and if you're gonna drink, go do it somewhere else. Right. And we'll clean up. We'll shut down. And uh, yeah, so things like that, we we've brought in yoga, meditation.
1: So you're bringing in wellness programming. Absolutely,
3: and yeah. and yeah, I'm I'm gonna continue to find ways. Yeah. Um, because I want healthier, whole being. The planet needs it. The
1: planet needs it, but also your staff. So, have you seen your talent pool mm-hmm. change yes. and improve over the past few yes. years? Yes, a
3: hundred percent. Yes, and it and it it's it's really like remarkable how profound. I'm not deluded enough to think that there aren't people with drinking problems in our company and nor am I judging anyone, right? There's people
1: with drinking problems at nine to five jobs too. So (laughs) I mean, it's not, you know.
3: Yeah. So I'm not saying like we're this pristine, but I will tell you that we're attracting better people because they go, they're serious about what they're doing. It's not a party and a free for all. Like they're serious. Right. Um, And that
1: makes good business sense. I mean, you want people who are serious and want to stay and like, you know, work through management and all those things. And
3: our employees deserve better leaders, right? Right. If we're going to do this for 12 to 14 hours a day, they deserve to be treated in a hospitable way and be in a good environment, be in a positive environment.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I want to go back to like the early days of when you were getting sober and tell me how, what were the struggles? What was like the hardest part, you know, for somebody maybe who is recovering, right. you know, and going to go back to work and hospitality because that's what they love to do. What are the hardest, what was the hardest part for you? How can colleagues support colleagues as they're going through this?
3: So it was the real lack of community I suddenly felt. hmm and i didn't i didn't feel like it was malicious right i just felt like people didn't know what to say right um i I, you know and and then i would go to you know 12-step recovery meetings Great people, saved my life, but not a lot of restaurant people 18 years ago. Right. So they can't relate. Uh, some of them are like, you need to get out of that business. There's no way you can be sober in I that.
1: would imagine. I, I oh, can see that yeah. being like, get the hell out of that business. Get out. And- you don't want a dust
2: off? You don't want to <laughs> <not a>
3: desk- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> And thankfully, I had a mentor, a sober mentor, who said, look, if you are willing to do the work, you can do anything you want. Right. Getting sober is not about having less of a life it's about having more of a life. Right. Um I think that what we can do as an industry is just to be supportive, just to pat that person on the yeah, yeah, absolutely that's great. If that's where you are, let us know. Yeah. Something these things sound so but you you cannot imagine when you're the, the, when you feel like man, I'm on this new walk all by myself. Just a little bit of human kindness even if they don't fully understand. You know, just somebody saying, I think that's great. Right. Let, let us know. Let me know how we can support you. Um, it's inclusiveness, right? Yeah. I mean, I can remember the early wine tastings, and I'm... Like yeah, what do you, how does that go down? Because I mean,
1: there's there is a lot of training around wine knowledge, yeah. and especially you know to be a, a good manager and GM, yeah. and uh-huh. what you need to know
3: wine, yeah. right? So
1: how does that work for you? I think
3: I think you can still hold sober individuals accountable for knowing the information. Mm-hmm. They can ask other people. Um, so I have a pretty great story about wine training. I'll brag on my wine director. So so we have a restaurant. It's in a remote part of South Carolina. There happens to be a rehab in this small town. Okay. So like 60% of our employees are all in rehab. Oh. So my wine director, Ravonda Freeman, came to me and she's like, you know, I was doing a wine tasting at Town Hall the other day and only like three people could drink. And, and she was like, so I started thinking about how can I... So she went to Jelly Belly, you know, the jelly beans? The jelly
1: beans. No, yes. that's so And cool. so she was like,
3: all right, so if Cabernet is black cherry and this so she made a mixed a bowl
1: that is so of cute. Cabernet, oh Pinot gosh.
3: Noir and Merlot and then went back and said, Okay, this is what Pinot tastes like.
1: Yeah, that's so, so fun. Yeah.
3: Um, but yeah, I think you can you can show that person the respect and say how can we help you know the information? Right. Because obviously we need you to know the information. Take notes. Ask questions. There's there's kind ways to go about that yeah. without ostracizing people.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, and I, I think the biggest thing is just being compassionate. Just have some empathy. You may not even agree with that person. Right. My best friend, when I got out of rehab, sat me down for two hours and said, this this is a false alarm. This is, you are not an alcoholic. And
1: People have a hard time with change,
3: I think. It's so true. Yeah, it's like, yeah. even if
1: it's not their own change, like the other people's change. Because so they're like, how is this going to impact my fun? But I think, right. like you said, right. it's about having more life, not less. It's
3: about having more life. And I'm, I'm in a conversation with someone right now. So right at the end of the drinking is this fear. And there's mm. usually bargaining. Like, I won't do shots. I'll only drink red wine. I'll, it's all the like, how can I still hold on? Right. And the, the really residing fear for somebody at the end of their drinking is what will my life be? I can't literally the text today was, I can't imagine my life without alcohol, but I know that I have a problem yeah. and I always say the same thing. Like, man, you have no idea how much life is on the other side of this one thing, right. um, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, so I think, I think just more empathy and compassion, really. You don't have to have a bunch of answers for somebody if you just say, uh, my chef partner, it's like, it's sweet. We have like a bromance thing. Oh, I and, love bromance. <laughs> we have a big bromance. Jeremiah Bacon, his last name is Bacon, and he's a chef. He was meant for the uh, industry. Was, he was meant... He will be in restaurants and desserts, you know, sometimes have alcohol, and I can't. Like, I haven't had tiramisu because oh, it's usually right. soaked. When it's savory, it's cooked out. Right. 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 But he'll go, hey, Steve, make sure you don't eat that. It's got, you know, <laughs> he's like, he like, takes for you. care of me. So it's sweet, you know? And just those little moments for a sober person. I cannot underscore how, how just you're like okay I'm I am one of the tribe yeah just because I had to make this choice wanted to make this choice I'm still part of the tribe
1: yeah no the compassion does go a long way and I think the programming you know getting rid of the shift drinks yes like, having some wellness programming makes so much sense let's take a super quick break and we'll come back with more. This episode is brought to you by BentoBox. BentoBox empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships directly through their own website. BentoBox provides full-service website design, digitally accessible solutions, SEO best practices, and best-in-class support. Plus, you can increase profits both in and out of your restaurant with online ordering, catering, gift cards, and events. BentoBox is trusted and loved by over 5,000 restaurants worldwide, including Union Square Hospitality Group, Hugo's, Coquette, Emmy Squared, Jose Andres, Think Food Group, Pineapple and Pearls, and many more. With Bento Box, you can get every restaurant website feature you need and more, all in one place. Opening soon, listeners get fifty percent off their new website setup fee at GetBento.com/openingsoon. That getbent opening G-E-T-B-E-N-T-O.com/openingsoon. All right. So we're back with Steve Palmer of the Indigo Road Hospitality Group. So you wrote a book recently. I did. So tell us a little bit about, about that.
3: Yeah. So I wrote a book about my journey through addiction. Um, I was homeless at 13. I've, I've had a, I've had an interesting uh, life. And so the book is Say Grace, which is what do you do when you sit down to a meal it's probably more so in the South, but it's yes, a sub- very nope. Southern. Like we say grace, we we say we give thanks.
1: I have a secret. I grew up in the South. Cool. But I'm Jewish, so we didn't say that's grace. A, uh, well, yeah, okay. I, yeah,
3: yeah, I and I, it's funny because I was worried a little bit when I I, I knew I wanted the word grace. Yeah. And that's a, a very I know often associated with Christianity, but that for me you no. Know, but
1: being gracious is something about being yeah, in the hospitality. When you give somebody and, yeah, grace, you're giving different. them a
3: gift. Yep. And so there's a definition of grace called a gift freely given without expectation yeah. of return. So um, Say Grace, How the Restaurant Industry Saved My Life. And and really in the book, I write about my life. I write about Ben, Ben's friends, all that we're doing. But, but I truly believe that the restaurant industry saved my life twice. The first time was just when I found it. I was... Um, I was really bad addicted to cocaine and, and had been a roadie with rock bands in the eighties, like Bon Jovi, Poison Warrant, Guns N' Roses, that whole thing. Did you have big hair? I had big hair. (laughs) (laughs)
2: It's a
3: story for another time. (laughs) Um, But, but the, the restaurant (laughs) business was the first place I ever felt accepted. Like just come as you are. Yep. It doesn't matter where you're from. You didn't have to go to a fancy school. Mm-hmm. And I actually say this in our orientations now, like, it's an equal playing field. It as long as you show field. up yep. and you're part of a team and you work hard, you're welcome.
1: Yeah, you can go from dishwasher to, to you GM, know, to GM you, you very can, easily. You yep. can.
3: And I love that about mm-hmm. our business. Um, so it saved my life in that way, even though what was accepted was the excess and the drugs and alcohol. But then... The intervention that happened. So I write a lot about that. Um, I also... You know, I wanted to kind of write... I, I wanted to talk about Ben's Friends. But I wanted to write a love letter to our business. You know, we've taken some hits in recent years with Me Too. And there's a lot of sort of rocks that get thrown at our industry. And there's so many good people. Yeah. The best people. And charitable souls, you know. I always... You think about, like, how many... Charity events in America are happening tonight, where chefs are leaving their yeah, restaurants, are, and they're going cooking to cook. food to help raise money mm-hmm. for so a true. cause. Um, so I just wanted to write a love letter to to the industry.
1: So how? So do you think that the reputation is going to be cleaned up over the next few years? Of I do. Yeah,
3: I think as 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 you know, restaurant and chef, uh, the celebrity thing, I have mixed feelings about, but. You know, as people go out to eat more, right, our business is becoming more viable, more and more and more. And um, I think that puts us in a different category. Mm -hmm. And I think people view restaurants differently. Um, I think a lot of is expected of restaurateurs now. We're supposed to be socially active. We're supposed to... Yeah, you're
1: the face of the business. We're the
3: face of the business. And it's not just about serving food anymore. Um, Politics and so... Um, But but I I love that our industry is getting cleaned up.
1: Yeah, I, I think a lot of people agree with that. So keep fighting the good fight out there, people. And, you know... Providing these programs that have an emphasis on wellness. I I love that. Let's do some lightning round. We like to do some quick questions that are meant to be like one to two word answers. You can elaborate if you feel inspired. You don't have to, you know, there's no hard and fast rules. Um, What's your favorite thing about the hospitality industry? Love. Love. Oh, I like that. (laughs) What's the most challenging thing?
3: Stress. Yes. But isn't
1: there always stress and everything? That's there is. Great. There is. Um, what has one thing that has helped you to stay sober all of these years? Other people. Other people. Yeah, I think that goes. Back, yeah, that goes community. back to what you're saying with community. Yep. Um, what's your favorite non-alcoholic beverage?
3: I'm having it. It's oh, a mo- cool. it's a it's a Moscow Mule with no alcohol. It's a ginger beer ginger with beer. lime juice. Yum. Yeah, it does. Delicious. It looks
1: delicious. Yeah, he really I, is I, having I, it. He's I'm like, drinking it. All. Yeah. I'm drinking
3: them all the time.
1: Awesome. Is that on your non-alcoholic beverage list at your yeah, restaurants? And you're like, yeah. yes, it is. Um, and we are a business show, so we like to talk about business resources. What's your favorite business book that you've read? It doesn't have to be specifically business, but it could be something that's helped you in business.
3: I mean, I, I'm not the first guest that will say this. Setting the Table by yeah, Danny Meyer. i have heard that
1: a few times.
3: You know, he, Danny has become a mentor of mine. Um, he wrote a great testimonial for the book. Um, he really articulated what we were all feeling, yeah, right? he did. He just it's put true. it, he wrapped it in a way that was like... I remember the first time I read it, I was like, yes, yes, that's how I feel. Yes. <laughs> You're just saying it better right. than I am. You're just so eloquent. Andy. Yeah, I know. you know. Yep. And he really is. He's a great guy.
1: Cool. What's um, one business resource that you feel everyone should know about?
3: Mm, that's a good one. Um, business resource. Huh. Um financials, yeah. food cost, beverage cost. I I'm in a lot of conversation with young and I'm, I just turned 50. So I consider myself older, young, You're a spring chicken. I'm trying, um, you know, a lot of like mid 20 year olds that mm-hmm. have opened their own place mm-hmm. and they, they're not making money and they don't, you know, they signed a bad lease or they don't know how to manage. And, and it's, you know the finance side of the restaurant business is the real non sexy side, but, but it's,
1: it's the most important. It side. is the yep.
3: foundation because you know, and and I see nothing is more heart wrenching. And listen, not all of our restaurants have been home runs. So yeah, of yeah full disclosure.
1: Well, twenty plus, I uh, yeah, mean, that yeah I mean, that. You know, like, we're, a we're we're doing okay, <laughs>
3: but you know, listen, nothing is more heart wrenching. And I, when you meet a restaurateur that had all their hopes and dreams and something, and and they're serving good food, like. Uh, for all intents and purposes, they're doing it right, Mm -hmm. but they overspent building it out or they don't understand their cost and they're just not making it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have to say, so looking at our show stats, you know, the first season we went down and broke down like, you know, business plan, everything like piece by piece. And, um, If you are struggling with numbers, we had an episode with Nate Adler of Gertie and it was decoding the P N L and it is our most listened to episode out of all we've done twenty six so far and it's literally the most listened to. So I you know that's go back and listen to our show if you need resources and yeah, definitely like a good bookkeeper, a good, yes, a good accountant, all of know, these things. No, know
3: what you're not. Like yeah, I say, I said, say I too th- I mean, I say it all the time. Like it, it, one of the most powerful things I've learned is not who I am, but yep. it's who I'm not.
1: Yes. I mean, and being okay me, yeah. with that. You know, and business will teach you that super fast. <laughs> like I suck at that. I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. The and, first
3: person I hired was a bookkeeper because I'm not an yeah. accountant. I'm a floor guy. Right. I'm a hospitalitarian. I'm yeah. like, hey, Good to see you. You know, um, our business is hard enough making money and it is brutal.
1: Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Numbers I think are definitely. Finance would be
3: the biggest resource I think that, that young restaurateurs miss. Yeah. And listen, I've made mistakes and learned as I've gone. And for the most part, they haven't been fatal, Yeah, but they can be. You sign a 10 year lease on something that you're never going to be busy enough to cover the rent. Yeah. There's no way out of it.
1: That's why we started this show because we were the fastest <laughs> restaurant tours. We opened and closed in six months. So. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't
3: realize. I'll that. tell you that
1: story another okay, day. Okay, all yeah. right. You can also go back and listen to episode one and two, and you'll you'll hear I'll, the I'll, whole shebang. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. Um, all right, last one. Who's a mentor, inspirational leader in the industry you'd like to shout out?
3: Danny Meyer. Yeah. Danny's been incredible. When, when we were at about four or five restaurants, I reached out to him and was like, you know, he was a, he is a guy that in my mind was able to grow without losing their soul. And I know that, like, listen, not everybody would have, you know, there are people that have left that company and said it's not the same. But he's done it better than most. Yeah. And Michael Anthony, the chef at Gramercy, has become a good friend. Well, I got engaged there. Uh-huh. So, so that group really holds a special place in my heart. And I think they've just been a way shower, For so many things. For so many things. About what it means to truly be hospitable. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, for sure.
1: All right. Well, um, now we like to go through our opening soon announcements. So, are there any restaurants or friends you want to shout out that are opening soon or maybe just recently opened?
3: Um, Yes. So, in Charleston, there is a restaurant called Jackrabbit Philly. Jackrabbit Philly. It's a Chinese young man, Shui Wang. He had a um, uh, food truck that short grain that made the Bon Appetit best new restaurants list a couple years ago. Um, So he's just moved into a brick and mortar cooking Chinese, the food of his family. Uh, I it is it is Charleston has been short on ethnic food, Mm -hmm. uh, great on regional food, but short on ethnic food. Um I had a profound meal and and I admittedly don't know a lot about Chinese food yep. even though I've been doing this for 35 years yep. there's still so much which is why I love our business.
1: Yeah, you can. A constant get student. Yeah,
3: yeah, I'm always curious. Uh Jack Philly in Charleston I think is it, it's out oh. of the way, it's not in the cool it, but
1: those are always the best places. Yeah. All right, so if you're in Charleston, Jack Rabbit Jackrabbit Philly. Philly. Um, now, Wan just opened in the East Village from Jay Lee, who was at Rice and Gold, and um, it's Korean. He's also cooking like right. you know, Korean Walk style food from his family. Um, so, that I hear is phenomenal. And then we have Mr. Lion in DC, which is opening in a month or so. And then the other thing that just opened, um, it opened like a month, a couple weeks ago, but Peoples and the New Essex Market is now doing lunch plates. And they're doing one plot de jour from Jeremiah and Fabian. So, check that out if you're in the Lower East Side. So, special thanks again to Steve Palmer for joining us today. It was Thank like a great you. Conversation. Thank you I for it was having helpful. me. Helpful. Yeah. Um, and again, if you or a friend are in the early stages of opening a restaurant, please reach out so we can feature you. We think it would be super helpful and fun to um, to interview you so others can learn from what you're going through, just DM us at we are opening soon or at Tilla NYC. We will post a wrap up of today's show on our website at TillaNYC.com. And we can also send one to your email if you get on our list. Um, Steve, can you tell everybody where they can find you on the social
3: media channels? Sure. So I'm, uh, the company is the Indigo Road. So it's the Indigo, the Indigo Road.com. I am Steve Palmer one, two. There's a lot of Steve Palmers. Like <laughs> when you Google alert yourself, right? Yeah, and I'm like, like no, oh, there's, wrong, a, there's Steve a, Palmer. a golf player, a, a guy in a band. There's a finance guy. Um, Steve Palmer one, two, at Twitter and Instagram. And, and yeah, the Indigo Road, uh, Ben's Friends, hope.com.
1: Ben's friends, hope.com. And if anybody, seriously, if anybody wants to start a chapter, then they just email you or go to
3: Ben's friends, email us. We'll answer you within 24 hours
1: in New York city. I'm, we're willing to host you at till at HQ. Yeah,
3: let's go. Let's go. I need two sober chefs. That'll that'll do it. That's it.
1: Cool. All right, so follow the journey on Heritage Radio. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else where you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at WeAreOpeningSoon and at NYC. And please give us a review on iTunes. It makes a big difference. So thank you so much
3: for joining. Thank you.
1: Opening Soon is powered by Simplecast. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.
4: Hi, I'm Sherry Bayer, the host of All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm thrilled to let you know about HOST, Summit Plus Social, a new conference for and about the hospitality industry, taking place Monday, January twenty seventh, 2020, at the William Vale in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York City. Based on my all-in-the-industry show, HOST, which stands for Hospitality Operations, Services, and Technology, will bring behind-the-scenes talent in hospitality to the forefront in a live format, featuring guests from some of my most popular episodes, including Drew Nieporent, Rita Jamey, Crystal Mobileni JJ Johnson, and Jeff Gournier. Our event will include intimate panels one-on-one interviews, industry news discussions, curated lunch conversations, and more. Plus, of course, we will have outstanding food and drink throughout the day, including an energizing closing reception. For more information and tickets, please go to allintheindustry.com. And also, please follow us at All Industry on Instagram and Twitter. I hope you will join us in celebrating our dynamic hospitality industry. Many thanks.